Well, now if you're trying to do like watch a moon landing, you're like, fuck, all right, where's the streaming? And then you like look on your phone, and you're like, it's on fucking TV. Like, how do I get this? How do yeah, I even yeah, yeah. watch this? Uh, I guess I have I to get subscribe an Ill- to YouTube TV and like. I got to get an illegal stream going. Like, all right, where do I go on Reddit to find this? Uh, exactly. Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of I Finally Watched. This is David. And this is Alon, and I finally watched Apollo 13. I also finally watched Apollo 13. Oh. I don't know why I had in my head that you have already seen this movie. It's because you don't pay attention when other people talk. That's true, that's true. But also I feel like this movie was really, really popular in like, especially like, uh, your age range when it came out when i was eight when you were eight (laughs) eight years old i guess i'm saying like maybe people our age are like a little older than me which would be you uh some people have this movie as like their favorite movie of all time you could say that every every time we do an episode you could be like some people have this as their favorite some people but um i don't i don't see how Here's my hot take. Five second hot take. This movie's kind of boring. Uh, yeah, you said that to me earlier before we started. And um, I had like 45 minutes left. And I, after finishing it, I disagree with you. Um, so it's interesting. It's like, so you and I both, we did The Martian earlier. I think we both really like that. The Martian's like one of my favorite movies. And that's just sort of an updated version with also like a lot of comedy. What's interesting about this movie, at least to me, is that I purposely, normally I would look up what happened because I'm like, I don't want to watch a movie where people die and not know it and just get surprised by it. Like a a true story. Um, I had that happen with a documentary on Netflix where I was just watching it. And then at the end, it's like, Oh yeah, the dude died. I was like, well, fuck me. Um, <laughs> and so I like was like, I'm. I was pretty sure they made it, but in the back of my head, I was like, I do know that you know some of these missions were not successful, and I didn't have like it, you know, memorized or anything. So I I found it like similar to like the end of The Martian, where um, spoiler, Mark Watney, you know, lives. Um, I got really fucking choked up at the end of this movie. Like the ending like was really effective for me. And I feel like in saying earlier that it's a procedural, it's kind of like, like a newspaper story movie or like a cop drama, right? Like it's just like going through the process. And I think this movie is also from what I read, fairly accurate to the details. And so for the most part. And so I, I think that can come off a little bit as boring, but like, I also felt like, it was super tense during it um, at different points here and there. I, w- I will say, too, the timing of it. I know I'm rambling on for a while, but I'm getting a lot of thoughts out here. The timing of the movie I found interesting because it like felt like for two hours and 20 minutes, like they really rushed the beginning to get us on this fucking like, sure. ship. Sure, yeah. But it's also like it is a longer movie. <laughs> 
but it feels like nothing it feels like not a lot happens like they speed through a lot of things but it's still 20 minutes you know it's two hours and 20 minutes so i was watching the mighty ducks um recently and in in the mighty ducks 2 they have like i'm getting to a point here stop i hope so but what, what I'm saying is that in the Mighty Ducks 2, they add a lot of new team members um, to the already established team. And th- the old team members, the new team members are like at odds and ends with each other. But then like you have like the actual opposing team, like the actual antagonist of the movie. And you know they have that, right? So they very quickly have to have like a scene that like brings the new members and the old members together so that they can both be against the antagonist for the rest of the movie. And, and that's how I kind of felt here where it's like, they had to get these three dudes in this fucking rocket in space real quick because you have to spend the majority of the movie in space or else like what the, you know, what's the fucking point and getting there, like getting to that point, even when they're in space, I was just like, and maybe this is like, because you said we've seen so many really amazing space movies since it, it just was like really, really boring where the movie got interesting to me was the moment where the CO2 oxygen uh, was causing issues. And then the, um, what, what do you call the people on the ground like Houston? But do you call that a uh, op- operation base? I guess you would say. Sure. Where they have to figure out how to get the square attached to the round thing. And then they have to give him and then they get the guy who supposedly had uh, supposedly had the measles. They have to like bring him in to like help them. I felt like at that point, the movie really picked up. And then I was like pretty invested in it from that point to the end. Uh, yeah. I mean, so we're 50 minutes in when he like what stirs the oxygen tanks and they explode. Right. Still was not interested in that movie. <laughs> you really make yourself laugh. I, um, I was, I, I, like I get your point that it was slow, but I also just like, I don't know. I was enjoying all of it. There's really uh, a couple things I read. Uh, one is that, um, you know, Ron Howard directed this and dude, go through his IMDb sometime. It is eclectic to yeah. say the least. This did not feel like a Ron Howard. Like this felt like a Spielberg at times. Yeah. Which I think he like, talked to collaborated with Spielberg on a lot of like the technical issues of this, but he had um, the test audience write out uh, like note cards about their feelings of the movie. And one of the uh, audience members was like, this is such Hollywood bullshit. Like there's no way they would have survived in the end of this. <laughs> it's just like, that's okay. funny. Uh, and then like, I don't know the, the, the other thing he, um, you know, th- apparently there wasn't as much tension amongst the astronauts. There wasn't a, like, blaming of like oh you did this or you did this and ron howard's comment was like yeah i mean you can't show the three astronauts sweating for two hours like to show that there's you know that this is going poorly like you have to add other stuff to make it more cinematic um but i no i i kind of like even in 
presuming that everything turned out all right because I don't think you're going to show a two like you can't show a two hour and twenty minute movie of us with these three people and then just have them die on reentry like it just it's not yeah, going to go like, well. <laughs> they're like, oh, it's past the four minute mark, <laughs> and then like as everyone has a worried look on their face, it just fades to black. <laughs> just the credits start rolling. There were no survivors. There were no survivors, and you know it's funny too. It's like. And I'm not saying there weren't good moments up to that point where I started getting really invested in them. I think one of the strongest and also like one of the funniest moments in the movie is where they're panning, panning, panning. And like you're following this like white vest and like slowly it gets to Ed Harris and then the reveal of Ed Harris. I think that was really, really well done. I enjoyed that. And then a lot of stuff with like the wife, the wives, I guess I should say, or the slash girlfriends of all the astronauts them being mentally prepared for what's happening to their husband. I think I thought that was really interesting stuff, but the space stuff where it was just a moment of like Tom, Tom Hanks is like, all right, commander, we're about to launch, blah, blah, blah. And they're like, all right, we're ready for you. Blah, blah, blah. I was like, Oh my God, get on with it. Yeah. I, I mean, I guess I disagree, right? Like I, I will say that as the movie started, I was like, all right, let's fucking get in space. And then, one thing that in not knowing what happens in the movie, I was like kind of waiting for the moment for something bad to happen. Like I didn't know if they landed on the moon and then the, the fuck up happened on the moon or on the return trip. Like, yeah, I didn't, I didn't, I purposely went in not knowing anything. And so when he does, when he flicks that thing to stir the oxygen and it fucking explodes, I'm like they're like <laughs> I I see something seeping out. I'm pretty sure it's our oxygen. Um is uh it's just kind of like and then you know, Houston, we have a problem. Like at that point, it's like, oh shit, okay, so this is when it happens. And so I was like, I was just interested in what happened in the movie. So like the fact that it was kind of slow in spots here and there, I do think it starts out slow and it kind of builds and like the last hour are like I was like really, really into it, really invested. I will say that like as far as the CGI goes with like emulating the rocket when we see it launching and like all the ice breaking off of I guess that's ice breaking off of the launch pad thing. Yeah. Because um, don't they have to like put liquid nitrogen all over it so that it like doesn't fucking burn up? Your, I don't know. Whatever. I don't work with NASA. Sure, sure, sure. Uh, me either. Um and then, like, when we see it in space and stuff, I thought that was so well done for, like, 1995? Come on. That was really good. Well, apparently people with NASA like were like, hey, can we use that video? Like- <laughs> That's good. That's good. But, um, yeah, and, you know, you, you were saying The Martian has a lot of humor in it, much more than this one for sure. But then moments where you have, like, we have launch, and you see their urine like coming out of the spaceship and stuff <laughs> like that. There's some, there's some good moments, and then it's like you can't help but having like good rapport between like probably the three best actors of that time period: Tom Hanks, Kevin Bacon, and Bill Paxton. It was just a great dynamic to have. You, it's like you can't even realize unless you watch like all of these movies from the '90s how fucking big Kevin Bacon was. Because, I mean, he still does a lot of stuff and you see him, you're like, oh, that's fucking Kevin Bacon. But like, you know, going toe to toe in these movies with like Tom Hanks, 
You know what I mean? Tom Hanks has kind of continued that run his entire career, but like Kevin Bacon at that point was kind of as big. Um, yeah. So let's just get to the top. It starts with, uh, Apollo 11 and the moon landing. Um, I like the little line where he tells his kid to get a haircut. Like it sort of sets the stage. One thing about seeing this movie in 2023, seeing a 1995 movie in 2023 it makes the 1969, 1970s ness of the movie seem so much more ancient because like, I'm sure in 1995, it's like, oh, this still kind of looks newer. But oh, now right. seeing it, seeing it like what, for th- 28 years later, we're like, oh, <laughs> it looks so old. It's so dated. It's like it's like when you watch Grease, right? It's an 80s movie emulating the 50s or like even Back to the Future. It's an 80s movies where they go back to the 50s. It's like the 50s. It's like 70 years ago, but now it just feels like it really feels like 70 fucking years ago. Yeah. And so then you have like they're watching the the moon landing and uh, you have this like iconic shot of Walter Cronkite, like shaking his head and just like in disbelief. Right. About like what we've done. Um, and apparently Cronkite like recorded extra lines for this movie. But what's funny is then that's like sort of juxtaposed with. This movie is Apollo 13. We're two missions later and like the news couldn't give a shit about the moon landing anymore until someone's about to die. They're like not even broadcasting it. I was thinking about that, too, because I was thinking like in 2023. If U.S. astronauts were going up into the moon, we would think that would be cool. Right. And I, th- I don't think we've gone to the moon in a, in a while, have we? Uh, I don't remember. Yeah, but it's been it's been a bit. And I was just thinking like that would be cool, but also not very surprising because how far our technology has come in the sense that like we're aware like how advanced we are. But then I'm thinking like back in like 1970s or like, you know, a 1990 movie taking place in the 1970s thinking, dude, how cool would it be? It's like you still have those big box TVs. And then you look up in the sky. It's like, yeah, a fucking man's been up there, you know? Well, now if you're trying to do like watch a moon landing, you're like, fuck, all right, where's the streaming? And then you like look on your phone. You're like, it's on fucking TV. Like, how do I get this? How do I even watch this? Uh, I guess I have to subscribe to YouTube TV. And like, I got to get an illegal stream going. Like, all right, where do I go on Reddit to find this? Uh, Exactly. I also find funny, too, is that like. You know, Neil Armstrong, Buzz Aldrin, we think of those people as like demigods. Right. And so in the beginning of this movie to have these guys like shitting on them a little bit and like just like, oh, they f- these fucking assholes who like get to be the first on the moon. I thought it was funny. Like, a, you know, it's like a fraternity, right? Like they're just all these guys that are like jockeying for position. And like these two happen to be the ones to get it is the way I, they make it seem. I will say the best moment in the movie is when we see those two characters with <laughs> with his mother. And then she's like, are you doing the space program, too? Yeah, that one that was hilarious. That is Ron Howard's mother. Oh, she yeah. did a very good job. I like how they're trying to distract her, and she's just like, "Shut the fuck up, Buzz." <laughs> I was, something. It was so sad with her, like just staying on her character for a little bit. It was so sad that she couldn't get like that feed in her nursing home. No, well, no. The point of that was like they weren't showing it. It wasn't she couldn't get the feed. They weren't the news wasn't showing it. And then once they shit went awry, they started showing it 
and they wanted her to be with the family in case you know he died. Oh, oh, oh I, I missed that. See, that's this is why we talk about things. <laughs> We're gonna change the name to David explains the movie. Um, so wow, it now. <laughs> So, little confusion and I get crucified for it. But thanks. <laughs> so we get the setup that Alan Shepard gets an ear infection. So Hanks is going to be on 13 and he tells his wife and she's like, why does it have to be 13? And he's like, because it comes after 12. They kind of linger on the whole 13 being like the unlucky number for a while in this movie. And I was just thinking like, yeah, I guess like you're <laughs> you're about to give your life up to like outer space. And the vessel you so happen to put it in is like one of the like the unluckiest number in the world i guess it was a big deal at that time when they were going up but then you have that whole thing with gary sinise sinise gary sinise gary sinise lieutenant dan is how i recognize him lieutenant Um, dan you but you don't have no legs lieutenant dan uh i don't know how he can be an astronaut without any legs what i was waiting for uh tom hanks to, to say to him at any given point um but but yeah, so he he was exposed to the measles, so he's like kicked off too. And that's where you bring in Kevin Bacon. And I think they, they have this like party scene in the very, very beginning of the movie, which is really smart because you're introduced to all of these characters at the same time. And then you find out like, oh, Kevin Bacon's not even going to go on. And then you're like, oh, OK, they did this thing where it's like now he's going to get on. Yeah. So Hanks was hired for this. Uh John Travolta was offered it and turned it down. He was also offered Forrest Gump, turned that down. Um, and Good. so Hanks, <laughs> Good. Yeah. John Travolta as, as Forrest, Forrest Gump, Gump. <laughs> is, a, is like screen test footage I want to see. Yeah. But um, so Hanks got the role and then they just went to Sinise and were like, you can have whatever role left you want. So like when he gets kicked off the mission, I was like, ah, I feel bad for Sinise, like not getting like, the cool part and then it turns out like it is the cool part for the rest of the movie and it's like he chose he's like i want to be the guy who sort of saves their asses uh down there there is like the funny line too that like uh uh kevin bacon's character was like oh yeah uh, i wish you were up here and, he, and he's like i bet you do yeah yeah <laughs> Yeah, and, and it, what's so funny is like Kevin Bacon's character. And this is another thing, too. It's like whenever you're depicting real people's lives, and this is kind of how I felt with Oppenheimer, too, is like you're given sort of a liberty to to make them say and act however you want to make them say and act as the director. And so it's like, but you still, I guess, you have to stick to a certain like closeness to how they actually were. And so like... I don't know. You have Tom Hanks, which is kind of I guess Tom Hanks and Bill Paxton characters are quite similar. And then you have Kevin Bacon all the way over here being like, oh, I'm 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 not. No one can tie me down. And then he gets the call that he's on and he's like, Woo-hoo! like, you know, like he's he sees it as like a, almost an adrenaline opportunity sort of thing, which is different than how the other two guys see it, which I, I found interesting dynamic. Well, too, and they have like, so they have the scene where Sinise is training and they're like, all right, you did it great. And he's like, yeah, but I could have done it better. Like, we got to do it again. Like, but you did it fine. He's like, yeah, but let's get it perfect. And Hanks is like, okay, well, fine, let's get it perfect. To then cut to when Bacon is brought on the team, he like messes up and they're like, well, they're like all like, ah, shit. And it's two days before. And they're like, well, you know, I mean, you know, Sinise wouldn't have gotten it the first time either. So, you know, whatever. Um, 
but that is like they are setting up it's like this central conflict that didn't really happen that they are adding to the movie right to right. give it this like little bit of you know whatever um one of the things i read was that a lot of people kind of you know there's some symbolism sort of stuff in the beginning of this one was um so uh she drops her ring in the shower yeah and then she's like oh the number 13 and people are like oh that's a little heavy-handed like the the doom aspect of this like oh you know but those two things like kind of really happen the other thing i noticed too is he's um hanks is driving his corvette and this guy comes up to the line he's like you fucking astronaut hell yeah man and then takes off and then hanks sputters and he's like oh that's the second time that's happened and just before that in the movie he had talked about the other mission where astronauts like i either died or almost died um and so when he's like that's the second time that's happened he's like oh he's now about to go on the mission where it's the second time that's happened um you know like there's a lot of like a little bit like you could say it hits you over the head a little bit too much with it but i thought it was for 1995 i thought it was fine (laughs) (laughs) yeah i guess so i mean yeah it's all it's all of like manifest destiny right it's like if you think too much about like that sort of thing like i'm on the unlucky number apollo flight um maybe the the way you handle things you're a little too nervous you're a little too jumpy and then that affects like your actual like outcomes of the things you're doing right um but so 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 anyways yeah we we get to they're in space the thing blows up and now they have to kind of problem solve each i like and i think you were saying this earlier is that kevin bacon fucking up the whole thing by like not mixing the oxygen correctly bill paxton being like you didn't mix the oxygen correctly and all of that tension is coming to a head and then Tom Hanks's character is there to be like, whoa, 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 guys, like. We we don't need this, like all of this animosity and like fighting about it is not going to help us get back. And like. It, well, then you find out it was resolved. And well, and you find out that he didn't actually do anything wrong. And Hanks, no, even, but... Hanks even says that he's like, I would have done the exact same thing. And then the movie, you find out like it was literally just a, a thing that that it like we're getting to the ending quick but like when he's like oh it was a thing that happened two years before i even became like a commander with nasa or whatever whatever he says the timeline insane to think that those like those vessels are built like so far ahead of time you know you know what it reminds me of is a little bit of like if you like played out in your head he's like so this thing was built on an assembly line and then it was on a collision course to almost kill me in space it kind of reminds me of like that uh, scene in Benjamin Button where like Kate Blanchett gets injured and she's like, if you just stayed at the cafe too long, if you just done this or this, like all the oh, yeah, yeah. things that had to happen for this fuck up, like they just happened to get on the one that was built with this part that was messed up. Um, I don't know. It's it just it's like a cool little thing that they just kind of gloss over at the ending in the narration. Um, we already talked about I, I do want to back up a little bit just to cover some of the points like how beautiful the launch was yeah um and then <laughs> there's this funny line where like the wives are talking after the launch and the reporters run up and she's there she's like remember you're proud happy and thrilled and they're like how are you feeling and she's like i'm just i'm just so thrilled and and really proud and just just happy <laughs> 
like she said it verbatim yeah yeah I yeah know. i thought that was fun and then like oh the moment dude the moment where they're having the trouble the guy goes up at the door and says like hey the reporters want to put like an antenna in your in your front yard to to do live feed from it and she's like you can just tell them to fuck right off basically <laughs> like you know like they weren't interested five seconds ago when everything was fine and they go going to the moon but now everything's you know a freaking disaster and now they're so interested in it i feel that too it's like imagine how those kids feel where it's like your dad's going to the moon but then he's about to die like he's about to really die you're about to lose your dad and then all of a sudden the whole fucking world is like projecting that on you well and also like what the fuck are the nasa people doing not just telling them to fuck off like what he's like trying to get her to do it i know right yeah, like what the for, fuck like, is your publicity? problem? For like NASA publicity? It's not good publicity. Like <laughs> she's not going to say anything positive about NASA right now. Um, uh, so we're at the point where the thing happens. Houston, we have a problem. And this like, see, like there's just so much like technical jargon going on right now. And I was like, I'm not following any of it. No. And I don't think it matters. And then you're just basically like, hey, we're losing oxygen. And you need to close the valves on one and three. And then Hanks gives that line. That means we're going to, he's like, all right, we're going to do it. That means we lose the moon. Like with that decision, which is the only decision, right? But there is this (laughs) internal battle with him of like the only thing he wants and almost to like the detriment of his safety is to land on the moon. Like it's all he's been thinking about. Right. Right. And, and, I guess they could have, right? They could have just landed on the moon and just died on the moon. <laughs> like if you wanted it that bad. Probably cr- crash landed. Um, but yeah, so at that point they lose the moon and then closing those two valves too doesn't uh, work. It not only does it not work, but then it it has the external problem of filling up the vessel with CO2. Right. But like the immediate problem is they're like, "Well, all right, what do we fucking do?" And they're like, "Oh, we have to go in the LEM, which is like another piece of the ship that's i guess that's just always the return vehicle smaller Um, though right smaller yeah but i think that's always the thing they were going to return on but now it's like they have to just be in it the whole time and they're like how long does it take to prepare that and he's like three hours and it's like you have 15 minutes until you die Uh, (laughs) right uh, the other thing that i noticed from this movie and it's really funny and it's obviously it's like how they talk but it's a little jarring when they keep saying it is like Everything they do, they need the procedures, like the step by step. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Procedures of like how to, and so they're always like, need the procedures, need the procedures, and I'm just like, it's such an odd way to talk about it, but it's like there is so little room for error that everything has to be done to the procedures. With the moment when they're like, uh, they have to shut off the power, right? And then Ed Harris gets in that room with with the blackboard, and he's like, he's like, this is the flight plan. Forget the fight. For, forget the flight. Forget everything you know about the flight plan. And, um, I, you know, apart from Ed Harris, like all the other actors, um, like Clint Howard is in this, right? Um, who the what, fuck's Clint Howard? Clint Howard is that balding guy who's like. I don't think his name's Clint. His actor name. His name in the in the movie is Cy. Um, yeah, no, I'm, I. I know. 
Oh, it is Clint. His name's Clint. No, anyway, that's Ron Howard's brother. I was okay. I never knew that his first name was I I probably did and I forgot. This it. this guy, yeah, right? So I never yeah. knew this was Ron Howard's brother. Um but I know him because he was in a horror movie called Ice Cream Man. He was called Ice Cream Man. It's a really it's like a cult classic horrible horrible movie. Anyways, so I was like watching this I was like, "Oh fuck, that's Ice Cream Man." History man in there. Um, but then like a bunch of really like kind of semi famous actors that we kind of like know by their face, but not really by their name. Obviously, you're not knowing Clint, um, but and his name all, is Howard. <laughs> they're all in this like command room. Uh, no, absolutely. There's even like I don't even. Oh, fuck. OK, I was like, there's the one guy who's like the good looking dude who's like kind of communicating with them a lot. And I was like, what do I know him from? And he's like the quarterback from the replacements. His name's Brett Cullen. And he's like the guy who's the starting quarterback that Keanu Reeves takes over his job, uh, which is a football movie. You probably haven't seen. It's, it's exactly that. When we do football month, that's going to be really exciting. Now we're doing football. We're going to do Kevin Costner sports movies. Ooh, okay. So tin cup for love of the game. Um, I don't really want to do draft day, so I don't know. Bull you Durham. Realize, you realize this is gonna literally be like a year from now. This is you're you're talking about the lineup for our like June, July, twenty twenty four. I mean, that's if it makes it to twenty twenty four. We'll probably do like seventeen other things before then. I'm sure there's movies we've talked about doing that we still haven't gotten to. So, yep. Um. So yeah, that uh, what's his name? Ed Harris takes them all in a room and he's like, all right, slingshot or just turn around. And I was like, well, dude, I've seen so many of these movies. You always slingshot. To, you always have to fucking slingshot. You There's no other option. To, exactly. How do you even stop it? You just like hit the brakes and you're like, <laughs> turn around. like you have to slingshot. And, and like they're arguing about it. And then Ed Harris is like, oh, well, we don't even know if this works. So we can't fuck. We're fucking slingshotting it. And I like in there's this Clark Kent looking dude in the back who doesn't say anything. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But the camera keeps showing him. And I was like, all right, well, he's going to he's going to have a major role in this movie. (laughs) Yeah. And um, one one of like a really cool moment, too, is when Gary comes back onto the scene and he's like, I need everything in front of me that they have on the thing because we need to like problem solve and I need to know exactly what they have to utilize. And when they have to like, and I don't even think it's him. I think it's a different team that has to get the CO2 ventilator as like a, it's a square and they have to get it connecting to the vent, which is like the round, the round tube. Right. Mm-hmm. It's like putting a triangle through a square hole. It's like, well, not quite, you know, like that line. And so uh, they get a team together. And he's like, you have to figure this out with the materials that they have. And all you have is this and they lay it out on the table. When they do it, one of the coolest moments in the movie, but when they do it and they have to relay that to the team in space and they're like, what's the procedures? And they're like, "Okay, we kind of wrote new ones for this one, boys. Well, he's also like, all right, you have the manual. He's like, yeah, yeah, I have the manual. He's like, all right, tear the cover off of it and get rid of the rest of it. You just need the cover for this. And then Bill Paxton's like, gladly. (laughs) And then he's like, oh, uh, what happens if we tear the bag? Can we just tape the bag? And they're like, oh. Like, well, there's one more bag. Why don't you just use the the new bag? What's really funny is there's this line in this where the guy who came up with how to put the square into the round hole, they say, hey, you're you're a real steely eyed missile man. And I was like, where the fuck 
have I heard that? And in The Martian, when Rich <laughs> Purnell, played by Childish Gambino, uh, comes up with the way for them to like save Mark Watney by the crew going back. Right. And so then uh, Sean Bean relays that, that to the crew when Jeff Daniels didn't want him to. Right. The crew writes, uh, Rich Purnell is a steely-eyed missile man when they say they're going back to get Mark. And I was like, that's where that's from. I, and they took it from this movie, obviously, but I wonder where this movie got it from. I think it, I think it's like a thing that's said that's in the that's in the world of NASA. Like when I had my time there, like people said it, you know. Oh yeah, yeah. I thought what would be cool is that like in the Martian universe, Apollo thirteen movie existed, and they just took it from that. Well, I think in the Martian universe, Apollo 13, the real life event happened. No, not the was... real life event, but like the movie, the movie based <laughs> on the real life event. And then they're oh, quoting... I'm sure it does exist in that universe. I don't know why it wouldn't. Like, I guess you're right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But anyway, so so that's cool. So I didn't, I didn't even notice that line because that went over my head. But um, man, I need to watch the Martian again. I did. I, I'd have a good I lit it last like when I finished this movie, I almost just put the Martian on right afterwards, <laughs> which is another movie that has like a good like beginning portion but they have to like get to the point where he's already abandoned on mars because again the movie and they is... do it very quickly yeah it's like it's like 10 minutes max um so they slingshot around the moon and then at this point hanks is like having a vision of himself being on the moon and he snaps out of it but like during this part they're all naming parts of the moon and i was like dude i know zero names for anything on the moon yeah they're like that's the, moon. the Mar- marie crater and that's the elizabeth trench and i was like why is it all women's names and then i remembered i was like oh because only men have been on the moon and of course they're gonna name it like their wives names or something like that and the holes is after women <laughs> um so yeah now the clark kent looking motherfucker is like hey we have to get down to 12 volts or we won't make it to anywhere near earth and i was like okay that makes that's fine um and they get sinise up and he's like i gotta practice and then they realize co2 is becoming a problem and at some point around this time um bacon (laughs) there's the funny line where he's like i think kevin bacon gave me the clap because it burns when i piss now um so apparently he got a urinary tract infection from the piss tube but it wasn't from the character kevin bacon was playing but that is like why he got it um but bacon's like hey i did the math and we're about to fucking just miss earth and they're like oh nasa would tell us that and then right after that houston like calls and they're like they admit like oh the co2 is going to be a problem and they like haven't been telling them so they're all kind of looking around like oh fuck if they're admitting that then maybe they're wrong and they do later on it they realize oh, fuck, our math was off, and they were just going to miss Earth and just keep going. What's insane, too, is like it was around this moment where Sinise was in the simulator trying to figure out how to get down to like the three or four volts. The line where it's like, it's only three or four volts, and Sinise is like, was it three or is it four? (laughs) And then everyone in the room is like, four. (laughs) Um, And and so it's like that, that moment was like, because it established that Sinise's character is a perfectionist, if Sinise got into that vessel and Bacon was the one who had to gear them towards safety, they would all fucking die. 
Yeah, I mean, for the point of the movie, right? Like in real life, I think they would have been. It would have been. I don't know something similar. Apparently, the guy Kevin Bacon is playing is like was a good pilot, an astronaut, and the other two guys could fly too. Uh, which does lead us to there's the part where they all pull off their medical tracking equipment because they're like, hey, shut the fuck up. We're not going to sleep. We're like, our lives are in danger here. We're not sleeping. Which later on, Kevin Bacon's like, man, I should have fucking slept. I can't even read my own handwriting right now. <laughs> I thought it was going to like he was passing in and out like, you know, where they were doing that POV shot where his vision got real blurry. Mm-hmm. But I think that was more from the CO2 poisoning. Right. Um. And then they have to manually steer to get back on target, which I thought was a really cool part. And fucking Bill Paxton is just like, I can't fucking see shit. Like, I'm, I'm losing the earth. Where do I go? Uh, one, one interesting thing about making Bill Paxton have like a venereal disease or whatever. Or like, right. Like he's but, very ill. Yeah. Yeah. So he's dying. So you don't get the Bill Paxton energy that you normally get in a movie like this, where he's like yeah, going, going a little crazy. Like we just did true lies. You don't. So I don't know if that's the best use of his skills, but I thought he was, I thought he was still great. The, the point where they're trying to manually like do the earth and thing is, is great. But the scene that I really enjoy is where they're, um, they're taking the i guess it's back when they're taking the the oh no it's this it's like when kevin bacon is admitting that he needs more sleep and then the whole interior of the vessel is covered in condensation and they're like okay so all you have to do is like flip this switch and he's about to and then he hesitates and he's like hey listen um this whole interior is covered in water what are the chances that it's going to short circuit and like fry me? And like, I like the little look that the guys give down in the command center. And the, the guy literally just shrugs his shoulders. He's like, I don't, I don't fucking know. Like I, <laughs> I, it's a possibility, Kevin, uh, you know? And he's like, fuck it, whatever. And he does it anyways. And he's fine. Well, that's the thing too. Like it doesn't, it doesn't really matter. Right. Like, yeah, it could. I mean, there's a thousand things that could kill you guys right now. You just have to do the things we're telling you because it's like the best chance you have of surviving. So it's just like basically kind of like shut the fuck up. <laughs> um, they, so they get to the point where they're like, all right, hey, we need the re-entry procedures. And then Deke answers. And they all look at each other like, oh, fuck, they don't even have it yet. There is like a couple funny points where, which are sort of subtle here. Like when it, when it happens in the Martian, they spell it out for us like, hey, you're talking, you know, NASA is a public government entity, so anyone can listen into this. Anyone can read what you're saying. But here there's a couple times where like, oh, you're on this frequency, meaning like everyone can hear it. So like they're cursing at certain points, like, oh, fuck, we're on the wrong thing. Um, and so like, but when Deke answers, they're just like, oh, we are fucked. Like they don't even have it. Oh, that's what I was going to say earlier is that when they're manually like navigating it and they can barely see out that like little triangle window trying to navigate um, the the ship. Everyone can hear them being like, all right, go for the left. All right, now take the thing. All right, here we go. Here we go. And they're like they're like yelling instructions at each other and like really working as a team. But they're doing it in such a an aggressive manner. But then everyone including their wives and mothers back on earth can hear them do all that no yeah exactly and it adds i mean 
I felt like the acting was good on the people watching it. Like the daughter was really good. She oh, had some yeah, good yeah. crying though. That's why I, I thought asked... it was a Spielberg film. Although if it was a Spielberg film, you, you know, the daughter and the little girl and the son would, and like the the son in the military that we don't see until like the last 30 minutes of the fucking movie, they would have like a whole journey within themselves. It'd be from, it'd be from their point of view. It would be from their point of view. A hundred percent. Um, so they get to the re-entry point. Uh, there's this part where Hanks takes the pilot seat and Bacon looks over at him and Bacon's just like sad and like, okay, I guess you can have it. And Hanks is like, force have it. No, this is yours. You know, he, I don't even, I'm, I'm unsure if it was like he was going to take it and then he like felt bad and was like, no, I shouldn't do this. Or if he really just did make a mistake. Um, but I think there is like a good the movie does create this good arc where they kind of trust Kevin Bacon towards the end of this. Um, but then there's like just all these other issues, right? So they get a typhoon warning and the guy who tells Ed Harris is like, it could miss them, miss them. And Ed Harris is like, only if their luck changes, like everything is going wrong here. So they have that their heat shield is fucked up, which as we know from the movie sunshine, the heat shield, very important. Um, and uh and then we get this like three minute of blackout when they're landing and it then takes four minutes and then when you see that thing come through the sky with the parachutes and tom hanks says something i just i just lost it i was blubbering like ed harris i wasn't blubbering but i i was tearing up some tears might have fallen Taylor because Taylor was listening to me complain how boring the movie is. And then she turns around at me crying at the scene and she was like, oh, boring, huh? Like, <laughs> is it? <laughs> like, is it? Um, but uh, speaking of like, just real quick about, um, you know, there's like a three or four movies that have the Apollo name in them. And there's Apollo 13. And then there's a movie I don't know if you've ever seen called Apollo 18. It's a horror movie. It's a horror movie, right? And then um, looking up movies with Apollo in the name. Because actually I was... Yeah, have you heard about that? Yeah, Richard Linklater. It's like kind of like his... his life um... story. Well, I didn't know that. I just know, I mean, it's obviously it's based on like it's NASA adjacent. And it's also using like similar technology to... What's that Keanu movie with Richard Linklater? Like the Scanner scan? Darkly? Yeah, yeah, exactly. I think it's yeah. like a very similar like artistic style. So it was like a, from a fourth grader's perspective, but he it's supposed to be his life from that perspective. But you've seen it? No, it's just on Netflix. It's, I oh. knew about it. I want to I want to see it because I read a, up on it and I was interested about that. But one thing that interested that I that the whole reason I looked up movies with the name Apollo in them is that there's no Apollo 11 movie. Yeah, I think is the right stuff about Apollo 11. Well, so is like First Man, right? Oh, yeah, that's true. But it's just not named that. I think it's like kind of too famous to do it. Like you're, it's like almost too obvious. I guess, yeah. And then when you have Apollo 13 that's already been done, you're like, all right, well. If you think about it, too, it's like I actually thought Apollo. This is going to sound dumb, but just follow me here. I actually thought Apollo 13 was about the moon landing because I didn't. I thought that was the I didn't realize I'm not so like savvy with the whole moon landing names and everything. Okay, but um, I thought this was about the moon landing and I was like, this is not about the moon landing. So what's the fucking point? (laughs) 
the first five minutes you see them landing on the moon, like that's a short one. <laughs> okay, guys, and we did it. <laughs> you know. So there's the narration at the end. Um, none of them ever flew again. There's this line way earlier in the movie where Tom Hanks is like, "I'm, you know, this is my last mission because how can I top the moon?" And then it's like, "How can you top this near survive? Like, how could you look at your wife and kids again and be like, yeah, I'm going to go back up?" Like, yeah. I, I mean. It's just like there's no other decision I think you can make right there. Like you've you've escaped once. Um, but I don't know. Just the movie closes very strong. Um, are you ready for you ready for some some fun facts? I got a couple before before we go into the fun facts. Um, there's this moment at the very end where they're like Jack uh, Swigger um, Swigart. I don't know, man. Just Kevin Kevin Bacon. Kevin Bacon's character. Jack Swigert, I think it Swigert. is. Swigert. Shut, shut the fuck up, okay? I'm, it's Swigert, okay? I it's doubt so, it. <laughs> S-W-I-G-E-R-T. How else would you pronounce that? Swigert. Shit. Whatever. I'm Jack, Jack, right? And Tom Hanks is like, so Jack never flew up there again, and he ran for governor and won. And then he was like, and he died of cancer before he could even get to, uh, the seat in the office. And I was like, Jesus, dude, like just throw the fact that he died on us, which I guess you have to say it is because that, you know, he's a real guy and that's what happened in real life. But I'd, it always, I, I'd leave that part out. <laughs> it always reminds me of that scene in Stand By Me. Uh, you've seen the movie Stand By Me? Hot take. Did not like it. OK, so here's a spoiler for Stand By Me. I'll give it a second for anyone who, who doesn't want to stand by me. Spoil for them at the very end of stand by me. It's a very similar scene where the main actor is like, and Lewis graduated from college and moved out of here at the age of 17 or some, you know, they giving a synopsis on how everyone grew up and, and went on. And then they took one of the most likable characters in the movie. And they were like, John got stuck in a bank robbery and tried to stop it and then got shot 47 times and died. And then like for a movie like that's based on a true story, you can't get away with like saying like the guy died. Okay. He died in real life. So you just mentioned he died of cancer, but a completely fictitious movie where you could write anything about it. And then you end on like the saddest fucking note. I'm like unforgivable. Unforgivable. John went on to molest 12 children. <laughs> no. Yeah, that's worse, actually. You're right. So uh, John Cusack and Charlie Sheen were originally offered the Bill Paxton role, but they turned it down. Uh, Brad Pitt turned down an offer to star in this film and instead starred in Seven. I think that's the right decision. And um, Val Kilmer town turned down the role of Jack Swaggart in order to film a little movie that we've done, and one of my favorites, The Ghost in the Darkness. All, all very good decisions because those movies did really well with those specific actors. Although I don't think those specific actors would have lost out being in this film. I, it's it'd be interesting. Like, I don't, I don't know. The Bill Paxton character is so muted that it's like I don't know. It kind of, I think that's interchangeable. Imagining Val Kilmer in this, I think he's fine. He could be fine. As, I think Kevin Bacon sort of, it's funny having just watched this movie, but Kevin Bacon like makes that role his. Like it's yeah. hard it's even just watching it hard to imagine someone else in it. 
But imagine Kevin Bacon as the lion hunter is just impossible to me. So, um, you know, you told me to look through Ron Howard movies, like when an eclectic group of films that he had. And so I, I looked it up and half of these films I didn't even realize he directed. Yeah. But like, it's kind of insane to think of like the Da Vinci Code, A Beautiful Mind. Um, this there's movie, like, there's, Rush, a bunch of com- there's a bunch of comedies in there, too. The Grinch, like fucking Solo, Splash, Cocoon. I never knew he did Solo. That one was like fucking shocking to me. Cinderella Man. But then you also have like, you know, obviously he's famous for Arrested Development, like creating that whole show. It's Frost Nixon. It's not a comedy, but I didn't know he did it. It's just kind of insane how Frost Nixon's so good all over. the. I've never seen it, but it's kind of insane how all over the place he he is yeah the last fun fact is that i don't know if you noticed this but uh tom hanks has the red corvette and then gary sinise has his corvette yeah so apparently there was a program where uh the chevrolet dealer and then the president of gm would give astronauts two new cars every year it's kind of cool and most of them apparently chose Corvettes. So. Oh, of course. Yeah, why not? I was like, <laughs> I mean, fucking fly in space and drive Corvettes. So I um, I'm really glad we did this one. I uh, it's funny. This happens a lot with you where you're like, I don't, I don't know. It's kind of boring. And then as we talk through it, you're just like, you know, you like you almost no. <sighs> convince yourself that you like it's, it. It's not that it's like and quite honestly, the first half plus maybe five or ten minutes or so I did was just not enjoying this film and then in the last hour or so i started to really enjoy the film and and that's honest to god i'm sticking through that opinion wholeheartedly well you know no one trying to get him off that opinion yeah well i mean the reason we're doing this movie in the first place is because we decided that september is going to be our like sci-fi space expedition month so we have this movie, we have Contact, and then we're getting kind of creepier towards the end uh, to transition into our spooky month of October, where we just do like straight up horror movies, kind of like what we did last year. Except I know nothing about the movie Life. That's like one of those movies that, you know, I love Jake Gyllenhaal, and he has like a ton of those movies that just sort of like come and then kind of like go like Everest is another one that like no one Prince of Persia Prince of Persia is one people talk about that one for all the wrong reasons (laughs) but life is a movie that sort of just happened and then went and I have no idea if it's if it's good at all much like life itself and then please stop and then Alien 3 we're gonna end it with our um it's the only Fincher movie I haven't seen he disavows it and um that should be fun it will be fun So thanks for listening to another episode of I Finally Watched. This is David. And this is Alon. And I finally watched. And we finally watched. Apollo 13.